our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. Today's Monday, which means we're bringing you Money Confessions, a weekly series where you tell us your deepest, darkest money secrets or hot takes. You're joined today by Sim and Sonia, two best friends who have a lot to say. Let's get into it. Hello, Sonia. Hello, Simran. I have a confession for you, Sonia. Already? Is this your confession that we're going to speak about today? It's not even a viewer. No, but you know what? No, we have someone has sent in a great question, but I just want to talk about myself first, okay. if I may. Yes, you may. I went to a psychiatrist this morning and I had my appointment. I've just been dealing with ADHD-like tendencies and part of me worried that I was just another 26-year-old watching too many TikToks and thinking, oh, all these videos are lining up, but... I went in, had my appointment, took me two months to get the appointment and I had to prepay $700 for it. Like they really take the stuff seriously. And do you want to know the diagnosis? That you don't have it. Well, they said I had mild (laughs) ADHD. (laughs) I feel like they just wanted to tell you something because you paid all this money and went over there and waited for a while. He was like, yeah, I mean, you have mild, but the, the psychiatrist was like, but I just think you're having an existential crisis. And I was like, thanks. And they were like, you can probably just do some hypo, what is it called? Hypotherapy, mm. hypnotherapy. And also then they gave me like an affiliate link to this app for free 30 days of meditation. Oh my, oh my God. Are they social media girlies? Is he an influencer? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's fantastic. So that's, that's my life. What were the tendencies, if I may ask, that you sat down, you're like, damn, I should really get a psych eval for this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing this thing where I just sit and I need to get up and I need to do things and I can't and I get quite frustrated and I'm like, I just need to get up and do that thing. And I'm just sitting on the floor and it's like three hours go by and it's very like, like it's not like my muscles stop moving, but I can't get up mm. and it's very debilitating. And so those are things that he was like, oh, yeah, it's like some of these are quite strong evidences of mild ADHD. But things like that or, you know, being really forgetful, speaking over people, always being late. And then I was like, am I just a dick? Yeah. Or do I have <laughs> problems? <laughs> Listen, I think everyone – has like certain tendencies that maybe you can group them with certain Mm. things and what is the correct term to use here illnesses not illnesses like mental 
situations. Let, let's be respectful. Mental situations. Yeah, let's be respectful. It's just, I think there becomes a point where you should probably like figure it out. This is why you need to be in your Delulu era. Like I have plenty of things that I need to fix about myself, but I'm just like, you know what? Take it or leave it at this point. If you're coming into my life nearly 27, you know me, you know? No, you know what? You're right. I just need to become more delusional. I think that's the best. You know what? Why did I pay him money? I could have just talked to you. You would have told me I didn't have ADHD. (laughs) You've known me since I was five years old. Yeah. I just want to quickly note (laughs) to the listeners here, I'm not trying to downplay anyone's mental situation. (laughs) If you feel like you need to go get help, get help. I'm such a, we're such advocates for that. And boy, if you knew, uh, other mental illness issues and stories, (laughs) but what do you have in store for me today? Like, can I continue giving free psychological opinions, not advice? I think for this episode, no, we're going to stop that right here. From this part of the episode onwards, me and Sonia are not medical professionals or professionals of anything to do with addiction, disorders, cancer, because all these things come up in what we're about to talk about. Sonia did not know this, by the way. So this is a bit of a throw. But anyway, dear Sam and Sonia, my money confession slash question requires some backstory. When I was young, my mother spiraled out of control as a raging alcoholic, which resulted in my parents' divorce and me being raised by my amazing single father. Mum took no responsibility in raising me and basically came around every two to four months for one lunch or dinner, sometimes drunk, and then disappeared again. In my later years of college, my father was diagnosed with brain cancer, and as a single child, I took full responsibility caring for him full-time while also taking classes and working. During this time, my mother continued her typical elusiveness and eventually moved to another state. Last year, my father unfortunately passed away. He was extremely financially savvy and left me with a hefty inheritance, including the house. During the process of selling the house earlier this year, my mother called me and began to cry about how my father had screwed her over in the divorce. What she doesn't know is my father was fully transparent with me about the details of the divorce when I grew older. Although it may not have been exactly 50-50, I'm aware that he took full custody of me. She had a stable and good paying job. He assisted her in acquiring the condo, gave her half of the furniture in the house, left her a large chunk of money, and gave her one of the cars he was paying for under the agreement that she paid off the rest. All of this was later lost due to her poor decision-making and alcoholic tendencies. He even lent her money on several occasions years later to assist with various struggles, knowing that she would likely never pay him back, which she didn't. After listening to her sob story, she asked if I would give her some money from the sale of the house since it quote-unquote technically used to be her home. I assumed it would be a small amount, but she went on to ask for half the worth of the house. For reference, the house was being sold for 650000 USD. She went on to add that she knows I'm going to be well off from my father's other assets, but she's living in poverty, so she deserves some of this money. She also decided to spring this on me while my boyfriend and I were attempting to enjoy our Disney vacation, causing me to worry and go into panic mode while I should have been relaxing and enjoying my day at Animal Kingdom. I was able to let the conversation go on for a while, letting her know that I would assist her in claiming his social security in the meantime. For those that don't know, social security is 
a form of retirement money that people can get access to in the States and that we could talk about the house at a later time after it's sold. However, she has recently been reaching out more frequently and in one of our last conversations alluded to bringing up this topic again in the near future. In the end, I think my mind is already made up on the decision, but I would like to ask for your opinions on the subject and hear exactly how you would handle this conversation since this conflict and her guilt tripping tendencies are scaring me away from confronting her. Thank you so much. I already love your show. Please keep up the awesome content. Oh my goodness. I'm just going to say it now. This is going to be a bit of a long episode. (laughs) That is just so heavy. For those that maybe couldn't follow along or, you know, a lot of information was shared, there's a person they had, a parent that they describe as an alcoholic mother that was not really there for them, came in and out of her life every two to four months and then disappeared. Father passed away. The daughter Well, actually, I'm assuming it's a daughter. I don't know. The listener of the show got an inheritance, got the sale of the house, and mum has asked for more money and has asked that the house be split 50-50. And it seems like like the main concern right now for this listener is how to handle the confrontation, but it sounds like they're willing to give something to the mum. And my concern or my wonder during reading this is that they were worried, should I just give nothing at all? Mm-hmm. Like off the bat from here, would you be comfortable giving this parent money if you were in this person's shoes? Short answer, absolutely not. No. I do just want to say that huge props to your father who seemed like a really great figure to have in your life for a multitude of reasons, but you said that he was financially literate and was able to have conversations with you about the divorce, your upbringing, what he was doing with his money so you knew what was happening after he passed. I think that's an extremely powerful thing and, you know, a small thing in the grand magnitude of like a person who was such a good parental figure to you but financial literacy being taught huge props I feel like that's why you are actually able to take a step back and actually think about this as a decision rather than being manipulated and guilt-tripped in your words and just giving the money straight away I think that is first of all that you're able to like sit with it and you wanted to take some time to make the decision. And yeah, you're noticing all these little red flags yourself. She knew you were on a Disney vacation bringing this up. You're, you're supposed to be enjoying your oversized pretzel and like bad food and like the rides. <laughs> and here you are going into panic mode, which is extremely unfair. So I have a sneaking suspicion that I know what her decision and answer is going to be. Did she say that she's kind of figured it out already or already figured it out so yeah short answer no but I love and what I think she is going to do is guiding her through getting social security which yeah retirement a form of retirement income or if you have a disability I believe that you can use social security for that as well and I think if you were going to consider any situation of giving her money it would be little at a time, very little at a time over a longer period of time, not a huge chunk of money. Because I think she's proven to you over and over and over and over again that she won't be using it wisely. Do you know what I mean? It is so, I'm on the same page as you. I just, and I think this comes from being South Asian and I wonder if this person, I wonder what their ethnic or like cultural background is, but I just 
feel such a level of responsibility if I was in her shoes. And I think I would feel so guilty if I gave my parent nothing, even though logically I know that they would not use that money well. They have proven to me time and time again that they are unhealthy in this situation. They cross boundaries. They got a fair share, though she said in her message, the divorce was not 50-50 in terms of custody. He took custody, but he gave her the condo. He gave her half the furniture, large chunk of money, gave the car, which she lost all of. I want to say, though, that I would just do what makes me feel like I'm a good person. And if that for me means that I can't sleep at night if I don't give that person money, then I would still help them financially. But like Sonia said, how would you go about doing that? Like how do you set up systems to make sure that you're not giving it all in one chunk? Mm. Let's just go back to what this person was talking about in terms of they feel scared. Yeah, literally scaring me away from confronting her because they've probably had a number of times where they've tried to have conversations and it's resulted into like a not so pleasant conversation and a confrontation. So I completely understand being nervous and you've painted quite a picture as well, like going into full panic mode on the happiest place on earth, you know, because this person (laughs) gave you a call about a pretty serious thing. So I think that is a huge telling. I think if I was to have the conversation, it would be with other people present, with people that you Mm -hmm. trust. I wouldn't just do it one-on-one because I feel like that can be easily manipulated. I think in terms of figuring out money systems, she can come back to you and say, but you've got X, Y, Z. Your father left you like an inheritance and you've got the sale of the house and all of that. But you can turn to her and say, I understand where you're coming from (laughs) and I know it may look that way, but here, like, this is what I do with my spending. These are my responsibilities. I've got a partner. We're building a life. But then also like you had all these things. He also left you money. What have you done with that money? Like if I gave you this money, where would it go? You know, you say that you're living in poverty, but what like happened? I think those are very fair questions. And I think we try to avoid just asking things straight up because of therapy talk. Mm. I think when you're having regular conversations with people, and I feel like this discourse has existed online for a little bit, when you're talking to your, just your friend and all this therapy speakers coming in, and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I, I feel like I want to <laughs> hang up the call, but we're speaking face to face. Like, what's happening here? I think you're allowed to ask those questions. If she's allowed to ask you, or she has, you know, kind of not the nerve, mm. because I think that's a bad <laughs> Like if she can ask you this question without feeling any type of way, without feeling shame, with also bringing up the stuff that you apparently have, like you're allowed to ask some gritty questions as well. In terms of the financial system side of thing, I don't know. Like I completely understand where you're coming from. I am also the type of person to lend people money or to like give people money. If it's family, I would take it a little bit further. But help to me Mm -hmm. is also like let's – you have a drinking problem like let's look into that a little bit like let me pay for rehab or like that you know I think that's actually a really good point and I think it's worth mentioning like this is not a burden you have to carry on your own your father would have absolutely like if he had put you into the estate and done that planning and decided okay my child gets the home and she gets this and that 
Your dad would have thought through, okay, what should I give my ex-wife? Should I help set her up? These were his parting wishes. And I think there is a, I don't know, a level of relief that you should be able to feel and know that this money that he gave to you was intentional. It is not that the money was left in a pool and you got in first and grabbed the house and your mum was left waiting going, wait, what about me? And you're like, oh crap, sorry. Like, it's not like you're at a baseball game and you catch the ball and then that young kid next to you was like, oh, I wanted it. And you're like, oh, I feel bad. I should give this to them. This was handed to you. There's a level of you're allowed to just take it, but it sounds like you're interested or you feel comfortable or you want to give her something as you said you were like open to conversations around giving her some of that house not 50 50 if I could give you like practical advice on like tangible advice of what I would do I would get a estate lawyer and I'd get a financial planner and I would sit down with them and say hey I want to help my mom achieve a certain goal of I want to be able to at least she's got a condo I want to be able to give some of that house money to give to her over time to help pay off her condo so let's say I want to give her $50,000 of the 650k that I get off the house I don't want to give her that as a cash I want to put it into a trust and let the trust like make her a beneficiary of the trust and that trust slowly gives her $1,000 per week for the rest of her life or until that money runs out, or I guess 50 weeks, and that's not really a lot of time, but that's just what I want to do, or $1,000 every month. And then that way you're giving her money, but you're trying to do it in a way that's controlled and you're doing it in a way that's helpful. Parents do this to their children all the time. They say, I've got a kid. My kid's irresponsible. I want to set them up for life, but I don't want to give it to them as a lump sum. Diseases like alcoholism is outside of your mother's control. It's outside of anyone's control. It can happen to anyone and it's not their fault. So you can't fix that. That's not your burden to bear. But if you feel like that is causing her to have bad money habits, you can do what's in your power to release that money slowly over time if you even want to give it at all 100 percent. i think you can also flip that same narrative to if you're feeling guilty about not giving her money about it's going to keep you up at night it does make you feel a certain type of way let's flip the situation of if you gave them half of six hundred and fifty thousand dollars you gave them this huge lump sum of money what if that enables her to continue behaving destructively to herself and Mm -hmm. her well-being and her relationships around her and I think it is so out of her hands it is a disease and there's so many like things that we have to have sympathy for and empathy for but you can hold that empathy without making it your burden so I want to say that one And two, I feel like if we were really getting into it, like if you really want my opinion, where was she in your childhood? If she kept, if you, if she saw you as like this person that, oh yeah, I can keep going in and out of this person's life, my daughter's life. And like, how does that make you feel? You know, I feel like there's so many layers to it. You are extremely kind and compassionate person. Some people would just say no off the bat at Disneyland and like hang up, be like, sorry, I got to go. I got to go write these teacups (laughs) or whatever people do at Disneyland. 
you know, like the bell. We wouldn't know. We didn't go. We went to dinner at Disney World. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Sonia still went to Disney, <laughs> Disney World. But we didn't ride anything there. You're so right. We were working. <laughs> it was like a... <laughs> It, true, it was a work trip. It was a great work trip. But yeah, like I think kudos to you, kudos to your dad for, you know, raising such a kind and empathetic human, but also instilling financial literacy in you that you're able to sit back and be like, this is a decision that I'm going to make and I'm going to be happy about this decision. And you've given yourself the grace of time. You let her know that we're going to speak about this on my accord not yours mm-hmm. and not on your timing, no matter how badly you're pestering me in the situation. And yeah, whatever decision you make, you're allowed to also change your mind. I hope you know that. That's a really tough one. I just hope that this person that is listening in gives himself enough grace to realize that this is probably one of the stickiest money confessions I have ever seen in our history of doing this show. Because like Sonia mentioned, there are layers to this. There's the emotional turmoil. There's the childhood trauma. There's the disease of alcoholism. There's the guilt of your mother. There's the lack of boundaries on her behalf. And just how can one person navigate this whilst not even are scratching the surface on the fact that she's lost her parent mm. to have access to this money. So there's the entire grief of their father. Oh, it's it's a lot. Yeah. And she was also their father's primary caregiver, you know. You took full responsibility caring for him. And I can only imagine how hard and stressful that was on top of everything else that you've had to do. So sending love, sending light. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach, and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. So overall, I think the summary of Sonia and I at this stage is you seem to know what you're doing. I think we're just reinforcing that it is okay to set boundaries. It is okay to not do anything going forward. It's okay to understand that if you didn't help, that can make things worse. If you do help, that can also make things worse. So it's more just doing what's right for yourself and helping enough where you're in bed and you can go to sleep feeling comfortable. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. You are not in control of anyone else's life but your own And whatever that looks like for you, as long as you're not harming other people, that's still good enough. 
All right. Now, if you have a money confession or story that you want to share, that you want advice with, send us a DM or email us at hello at girlsatinvest.com. Just let us know everything that's going on. Send us as much information as possible and you may just be featured in next week's episode. Until next time, Sonia. Till next time, Sim. Bye. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.